it's it, it, it i did think that was just a brilliant innovation though you're right like if you're making people struggle to sleep this was the most savage and and sort of shocking uh no pun intended way to do it yeah and i was very surprised that nobody uh nobody got shocked <laughs> man it looked like kaz was right on the edge there for a minute yeah yeah for sure so um uh, but hey, impressive performance by Kaz. I, I, we got this far and not mention that Kaz and Jordan won the damn thing. Yeah, and you know, going away really. Yeah, yeah, they killed it. Um, I think, you know, but Theo and Sarah going out early was a huge benefit to them because, um, you know, I tend to think a, a healthy Theo would have would have been tough. Um, and we know Sarah is fierce. But, it has a different background, if I'm not mistaken, right? So, yeah, yeah, and and that you know, I think also they got a huge benefit from Tori and Danny choosing, and, and it this was a tough one because you know, like obviously the strategy would be to not get stuck at the checkpoint because you're waiting on someone. Um, but if you're not there at the same time as everybody, I think it's hard to know which checkpoint to choose. And it was essentially just bad luck that they got stuck waiting to drink their smoothies and ended up in third place because they were way ahead in second place. I mean, I, I, you know, on day one, I'm saying, and had they finished in second place on day one, who knows how that might've affected the rest of the deal. Um, I do think it became clear as the challenge wore on that it was mostly a two-team race, right? Yeah. I mean, poor uh, Casey. I mean, Casey is, um, and I I mean this with love, like, that's one tough bitch. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Like, to see her, like, literally just in tears at, like, the start of a day of, like, I I can't, my body's not allowing this to happen. Well, and I think we Stop. all we have to do is go back. Like, she had just done two hall brawls against a woman with, like, six inches and 30 pounds on her, you know? Yeah. And they went right into a train. <laughs> like, everyone else had a huge advantage. So... That was a bummer, but but once you could tell that she just, you know, a credit to her for doing what she did do, but they, uh, Troy and Casey were not really in it, and even even when they did get the advantage of finishing second because Tori and Danny got stuck at the checkpoint waiting to drink the smoothie, like... They still weren't in it. So all that really did was ding Tori and Danny. And it might have been a more competitive day, too. Uh, but we'll never know. And look, Kaz was great. And we know what Jordan can do. And, you know, my big note was, like, Jordan is, I think, pushing himself into, like, Mount Rushmore territory here, right? Yeah. I mean, he needed to, definitely needed another win to kind of remind you of, uh, you know, that he's he's a multiple champion and uh I think can still do this with anybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even at his age, even though he's kind of old enough to to do an all star season if he wants to do an all star season. I think he did do an all star season, right? Um maybe, yeah. So, um you know, he's he's at that stage of the game and still uh as you know, athletically um with it as anybody. So um you know, I think you have to put him up there, you know, with certainly with like a Durrell at this point and a, right. you know, a Wes, I, yep. I would say probably. Yeah, so, agreed. You know, if not CT and Bananas territory yet, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, um, that is that next step and you might even need one more to get to those two. But like he is he's pushing to the he, top of that second group, right? Yeah, I mean, he's a four-time champion now. Yep. Battle of the Axis 2, Dirty 30, War of the Worlds 2, and and this World Championship, and a couple other finals to boot. So, um, you know, that's it's, it's, way up there. <laughs> there's, not, there's not many four-timers, right? Like that's right. 
Steph Curry territory here. Yeah, and, and and I would add that like while he still has a long way to go as a human being, he is becoming a much better partner in this game. And I think, you know, you still have to be the kind of person that can take a little beratement. But if you can, he's kind of a wonderful partner to have. He's going to push you. He's going to be elite himself. Um, And, you know, obviously they didn't win the final on Ride or Dies with Anissa, but he took her further than she's been in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think <laughs> Anissa found it at times horrible, kind of like Kaz did. Um, but you know, it's tough, it's tough to argue with the results. And I think, you know, Kaz is, is grateful. And I do think that once she kind of had that talk with them, I do think things sort of improved in terms of, well, and her, that's, you know what I mean? Yep. Because she was a formidable competitor the whole way, you know, no doubt. And that's the other, difference other between math challenge, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, she can't do math, but that's the difference between Jordan now and Jordan five years ago is he's trying to be decent, right? Yeah. Like when someone is like, you're not being a good partner to me instead of being like tough shit, go fuck yourself. He's like, okay, um, I'm going to try to rein myself in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try to, yeah, I'm going to try to show you how I'm still going to yell at you, but it's in, in support of you. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And just like, I'm going to be moderately aware of you as a human being and not just totally, you know, dismissive. I think he did the best job of that with Anissa, honestly. So, um, well, but he also, he all uh, like Anissa was a, a big roller coaster. There were some low valleys in addition to those peaks in terms of him being a decent human. Yeah. All right. So, I think we're sort of back to the central question of uh, of this season to me, which is, was Danny right? <laughs> you know, because um, obviously in the end, uh, they went to the final with Casey and uh, uh, Jordan, and those were the two remaining teams left. Right. Um, and, uh, and they were bested, essentially. Well, I mean, it's a tricky question, right? Because I don't think we ever disagreed with Danny that Jordan was a formidable finalist. Okay. <laughs> Um, I'm not also going to say that Sarah and Theo couldn't have beat them if Theo hadn't sprained an ankle. Right. And, and that's further, the thing about me. Right. You know I mean? And for, well, and furthermore, I think if things break a certain way, like Tori and Danny could beat Jordan and Kaz on any given final. Right. Like, I mean, Tori and Danny got screwed because Kaz actually took forever to drink that smoothie. And that's a pretty random, like, win for them, right? Like, Tori and Danny kept up decently on the running part. It was the checkpoints that got them. And, of course, Jordan steps right up and throws throws those screws right into the bucket, right? Like, he's good at everything. Um, and I... I you know, also, can I just point out, Tori was the only woman on the train to give the IV to her partner? Yeah. She gave point. the IV to the former NFL football player and yeah. and toughed it out and still was not holding them back. Yeah. She is, come She's on, that's my girl. She's my girl. <laughs> I love her I'm, so much. I'm looking at these rosters and teams, and I would say, with the exception of the Argentinian teams, right? Um, that I just don't know that there's anybody you would want to see in a final, like Kiki right. and Dino, yep, uh, Emily and Yes, yep. You know, for all of our, for all of the whining, I, I think Tristan and, Tristan won his season of UK, right? And Kellyanne is a is is formidable uh right. that maybe that's one team you'd rather have but they you know obviously but they, they were never to- gonna get there like uh, that's Zara the thing just eating bananas like, that's right there's not much of a difference there right you know what i mean and and obviously there was the switch with casey and ben where they would have been a formidable team in amber and troy but like troy held his own in this final man like he, he carried not- casey <laughs> so she's like, clearly I- bigger than him yeah like and and tough as nails. So I think he would have been tough with uh with Amber as well. So 
Um, yeah, I just don't. I just don't know how much of an advantage there was to be had. You know. Well, I mean? and and you know, even without going through the whole list, like I I agree with everything you just said, but you don't even have to do that because I think it's pretty clear that Sarah and Theo were every bit as much a threat as Jordan and Kaz. Right. And like, if he had not, if, if Theo doesn't twist his ankle, maybe Kaz being so slow to drink the smoothie is the thing that puts Theo and Sarah into first place. Right. So like the, the fundamental issue, which was him being attached to Sarah and not at all worried about facing her in a final and like insanely paranoid about facing Jordan in a final, it still feels overdone and a bit silly to me. He that being taken said, or those two honestly could have just taken the ride, and we could have ended up in the same finals that we had anyway. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, you know, I don't. That's that's the part about it that that seems weird to me. I don't really understand if if there was a clear advantage in having certain teams. Right, but like, you're not. You're just not going to be able to get the Argentinians to the final. Well, like, and that's the issue, right? Is like it's. It, what are we doing? It's know? it's always you know everyone. There's always a conversation, right, in every season of the challenge about wanting weaker teams in the final, but it never happens because weaker teams have to make it to the final for that to happen, and very rarely does a team that's not good slide all the way without facing an elimination and if you're not good like elimination is likely to be a problem for you you know yep. like these these things the uh, there's a level at which i understand what they're trying to do but there's also an aspect of it where i'm like just look at look at what you're talking about like how are you going to get a team that isn't good at winning to the end <laughs> you yep. know all right, and so, it's especially silly on a season where there really are only like two or three teams that aren't good at winning because they're going to lose challenges. They're going to get sent straight into the elimination and like they're going to get knocked out. There's not much you can do about it. Yeah, I just think they overthought it. I think they're they're, Which know, I think is part of the nature of. of yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, the survivor contestants tend to overthink. And I, can I say one other thing about Tori and Danny? Um, sure. Well, two things. By the way, that, that 15 minutes of sleep. Like, I'm not even, I think I might rather not sleep at all. It's not even long enough for a power nap, I, I believe, 15 minutes. Right. So, like, yeah. you're just going to get shaken awake. on. Like, I feel like I'd rather just power through because I don't think 15 minutes is even going to be helpful. Um, but then, I, I, it, ironically, if I had to, like, if I'm, like, searching for reasons Tori and Danny might have struggled in the final i gotta say and and look i'm not advocating any that, that he should have done anything differently but i i i will point out i it occurred to me a number of times that with all that fucking hair danny must have been absolutely dying running distance in like african heat <laughs> Well, I was thinking it didn't help him in the smoothie with the beard. That I mean? too, but he's got like he's got like a five inch bushy beard and a huge head full of dreads. Like that has to up his face temperature by like five degrees. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Fair amount of beards this season, all things considered. Uh, well, you know, a lot of beards in the world these days. I think. Yeah, including on my face right now. Um, really, a Derek Madden going beard? All right. Yeah, I, Rocking one at the moment. Um, yeah, see, you're more of a sometimes beard, sometimes not guy. I'm I'm pretty much always beard over here. Yeah. Where does uh, where does this season rank for you among the last few? I don't know. I I don't even know if I should rank it among challenge seasons, right? I think it was a better season than the Challenge USA. Um, yeah, and I, I yeah, and I think it was like a a a good challenge season in general. I'm not gonna like. There would be no reason to start talking about ranking it with some of the best challenge seasons we've seen, uh, many of which have been in the last 10 seasons or so. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I thought there were a lot of good episodes. And I thought, you know, there are definitely a handful of new characters that I would enjoy seeing added to 
the game if that's what's happening here. I, I, I'll i be interested to see if this leads to another round of challenge worlds like this or if now we just sort of go back to the regular and the all-stars and this has just been used as a feeder system. I I think that will I think it'll be both. Honestly, I think that some of these will get absorbed into the main challenge and then I I would not surprise me because they need the content, right? Um I guess. If they continue to do more of these kind of world championship people to as to continue to feed people in. Uh I mean, I guess some of them rated better than others in their home countries, right? Like right. Australia got pulled off the air, I think, before before it even finished. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, USA rated rated pretty decently, I think. So, um, so yeah. So I, you know, maybe some of them come back and some of them don't. I don't know. Doesn't it's seem funny. Like another Argentina, to be honest. So, yeah, yeah. I I wonder what. Like why? Why do we think Argentina was such a failure in terms of producing viable challengers? Well, part of it is right. We didn't even get the champs, right? Like, I think these were like pretty distant finishers in that oh, season. Oh, were they? Okay, I, I believe so. Um, but uh, you know, I I also think that maybe it just that may just be something about the culture. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know either. Um, but yeah, it doesn't seem like uh, Argentina is the right place to source challengers. They only did one <laughs> winner of Argentina, and that person did not appear. So. Okay, all right. Um, in fact, I think they were the only champion not to go to the show. <laughs> so I don't, <laughs> I don't know what that says. <laughs> um, all right. Um, anything else you want to add about the challenge? Should we move on to Top Chef? Are we going to get a reunion for this? I don't think so. That's weird, isn't it? It feels pretty done to me, doesn't it? They, they, they didn't. You didn't see any scenes from a reunion, right? Right. And, and that, I mean, that's why I asked, and I, I tend to agree that it feels done, although even as I say that, I don't totally know what I mean by that, other than that is the literal feeling I had at the end of the show. Well, and um, Challenge USA didn't have a reunion, right? Yeah, I guess it didn't, huh? Yeah, so I think it's maybe just this sort of format. It's a bummer. I'd like to see a reunion. Yeah, I wouldn't mind you, uh, but I don't, I don't think we're getting one. I just just don't get that sense. It's weird. I don't yeah. I don't know about any other. I mean, obviously, I'm assuming they're working on more, but I don't know about. Couldn't tell you anything about when the next challenge is. I'm going to have to go find some reality scoops. See, see what we can find out. Yeah, I feel like I saw something about another uh, flagship season. I can't remember though. I mean, I'd have to think they're filming it somewhere. Yeah. Oh. Um, all right, so let's move on to Top Chef, which is feels like it's getting uh, took a big step towards the final um, uh, with uh, with this episode and and hacking off two people. <laughs> this was, by all accounts, right the the toughest episode of the season, and it it, it really looked like it to make uh, uh, Wellingtons three different Wellingtons for twenty five people. Um, oh boy, that that's rough. It's the well, and it was 30 people, because the 25 did not include the chef's table. Oh, yeah, um, I guess. It was, you know, it's one of those things that, like, I wouldn't, if people were like, what are the hardest things to cook? Like, Beef Wellington would not jump to mind. But as they describe it, and as you see the the challenges that come with it, it makes a lot of sense. And to do anything that many times in that short a period of time for that many people is crazy. But beyond that, you know, as so often happens in Top Chef, um, the, you can really tell how brutal a challenge it is by just how brutalized the chefs seem during and after it, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and they all seemed pretty brutalized. They <laughs> were down, man. <laughs> to the point where it was like, the, you know, when they're deliberating and for the two losing teams, I think they were all like, well, if we go home, we go home. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know? totally. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was, it was that hard. By the way, uh, the internet says that, uh, the next season of the challenge begins filming later this month. Yeah, I saw that. Um, um so there you go. Nice. 
All right. So uh, if we go back to the beginning of this episode, uh, some serious BonCon in, <laughs> in the quick fire with, with the oh, finish. <laughs> for a second, I thought they were going to make them steam Cooking something in a dishwasher. Yeah, it seemed, seemed like we were headed that way for a minute. Um, I did. I actually thought the challenge turned out to be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, you know, steam and stuff. I did think it was going to favor Buddha. <laughs> and it did. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I gotta say, like when Gabri stepped up and was like, "Oh, I got this. I know steaming." I was like, "Famous last words." But he, <laughs> he did well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got And the other thing I would add, the, the, the my big note <laughs> on the quick fire is. And I think this set the tone poorly for the day and, you know, ended up with her being on the losing team in the end. Sarah, after after using her flavors and her food so well all season long, just had a brain fart and did the Top Chef Cardinal sin of, like, in a tough spot, I'm going to go away from what I, what I do. <laughs> Well, is that, I mean, quick fire is seems like if there's any time you're going to do it, it should be then. I guess. Right? Yeah. I just, but I just think like, why? Yeah. I don't know. I, don't, I think like Amar, she didn't have a lot of experience with steaming, maybe. Um. Well, right. But she could have done the same. Southern twist. On, right. On exactly. Exactly. At least then, if you don't do a great job steaming, you know what you're doing with the flavors. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think it was a tough deck for her this week because I don't think Wellington's favored her skills either, necessarily. No. Um, and, and yeah, I don't know what the clever... I, I don't know. I Look, I will say this. You know, the, they would have been fine if they had just cooked a lamb's room. Exactly. You know so mean, right? I'm not sure it was really about whether it favored her because if Amar had not said leave the lamb out, she might have put it back in and they might have not been eliminated. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Buddha having a technique for that, right? At the end of the day, that's well, I, I think- guess, except it wasn't a technique. I mean, Amar did the same thing. He just didn't correctly identify the heat. Like uh, the technique was touching a, a hot metal rod to your lip um, <laughs> and deciding if it was the right amount of hot. Uh, and Buddha did it perfectly, and Amar did not. Is that really how? I didn't, I didn't catch that. That's how a cake tester works? <laughs> well, a cake tester is just a – it's just a – like a tooth, a metal toothpick, basically. Oh, see, I thought I thought it at least had some sort of like meat thermometer properties, but I guess no, not. no, no. They're they're just talking about like you stick a thing in a cake to see if it comes out clean, you know? Yeah. Okay. Like if a cake's not done, you'll get some batter on the cake tester when you poke it. Um, but a toothpick <laughs> works the same way. <laughs> a toothpick works the same way, but a toothpick, of course, would not work for this because it's not conductive. So the the trick is just knowing the right heat of the metal when you touch yourself with it, and like. That's practice. So, yeah. uh, you know, Omar was kind of screwed in that respect, but he did blow it. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, like, I mean, I imagine if you work in Gordon Ramsay's restaurant, you've, you've made some Wellingtons. <laughs> yeah. When he's like, I learned Wellingtons at Gordon Ramsay, it's like, oh, well, you should be in good shape. Yep. Yeah. Now, this is a good challenge for him. I mean, I mean a good season for him, right? Because um, it does play in a lot of his strengths. Um, yeah. Not- I mean, the Gordon Ramsay thing clearly doesn't hurt, but like, can you imagine a season of Top Chef that would be a bad season for Buddha Low? <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> it's true. And I, I even at this point, he's the overwhelming favorite coming into this uh, into this final four, right? A hundred percent. Did you? Did you? Well, it's going to be a final five, but yes. Um, did you oh, catch? Right. Did you catch when they split the teams up? Um, and they were getting in the cars and, and we were seeing them talking and like Sarah was like, you know, I feel some stress from the other teams. Amar was like, Gabri has no stress. He's with Buddha. <laughs> I, did, I did hear him say that. Those guys were stressed, though, I thought at the time. You I know mean, what I mean? Everybody had a level of stress, but like, I think Tom, that Tom, 
uh, and Ali. <laughs> yeah, they were very tense. And, and I think, I, I, I think, you know, the fact that one of the other final six chefs would say that, though, tells you how incredible Buddha is. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think some of that had to do with the Wellington. A hundred percent portion of this you know what i mean i think that that does factor in but yeah i mean look buddha's you know buddha's intimidating man <laughs> the guy's the guy bringing thousands of thousands of dollars worth of molds over you know what i'm saying like he's right yeah he just won by the way and he's bringing the molds he's he's had three quick fire wins this season like he's tough yeah, I mean, think, I think he may be the record for, record holder for quick fires on the show now between the two seasons, right? So, um, you know, yeah, he's uh, he's he's quickly quickly establishing himself among the challenge greats. So, um, or the top chef greats. The, if he was establishing himself among the challenge greats as well, that would truly be impressive. <laughs> Thank you. You know, it was funny um, after Top Chef. Um, you know, you got a little hit of uh, of uh, some Bravo show that you know that I think it was like Dance Queens or something. Oh yeah, Dancing Queens. Yeah, and I don't know if you happened to uh, watch that, um, but uh, Tommy of Tommy and Annalise on the challenge of Ride or Dies was in that was one of the people like reviewing the Dancing Queen show. Amazing! I did not notice that. But that's I was, hilarious. I was like, this seems much more like his natural. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> definitely more his speed. <laughs> so, so, yeah, who knows? Maybe there'll be more Bravo challenge crossovers. There we go. There we go. <laughs> we can hope that would really be in our wheelhouse. I, I could see Dale doing it, right? Dale's like the triathlete, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Could yeah. be. I'll tell uh, you what, I, I would not. I would not like Buddhist chances on the challenge as much as I do on Top Chef. That's for sure. No, no, no. I think uh, unless there's a cooking challenge, I, I think even even the shake thing would be tough for Buddha on the uh, <laughs> yeah. challenge. Because yeah. <laughs> he, he'd be able to identify all the flavors. <laughs> oh no, that is that is definitely slug slime. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, all right. So outside of Buddha. Probably Ali, right? Yep. Ranking these these folks. Yep. Uh, and then I would put Tom and Gabri in a similar category of like wild cards. Yeah, really could could easily be the best and could easily be the worst on any given day. Yeah, I like I like the whole Elgato thing for Gabri. That was hilarious. You know, and it's like you can just sort of tell that everybody knows each other really well at this point on the show. Yep. Um, and and I like that. So he also he also like low key hit on the guest judge. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, kinda. He went. It seemed like he waited until the guy went away. To like, yeah, to- yeah. It was very low key, but I I quite enjoyed that moment. Yeah, he was he was a little a little thirsty from. from yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's been some funny Gabri thirst throughout the season. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's it a good. different. It's a he. He really is a pretty unique Top Chef contestant, um, as far as like the American show goes. Yeah, and he. Ma- I think he makes for excellent television. Agreed. He he's a delight. I love him. Yeah, um, a good presence in the kitchen. Um, all right, so we have Last Chance Kitchen coming up, and um, Sarah. And uh, oh no, Charbel, uh, Amar going up against Charbel. Now I have a theory about who wins this. You do, based ba- based on the reactions, based on the clip, yeah, yeah, that we saw, and then the reaction, which was of surprise. Yeah, that tells me Charbel, and I yeah. would also say, right, you see the shadow of the person coming through. Oh the wow! Door. Oh wow! You really went Sherlock Holmes on this. And it's a little bit of a thinner shadow. Oh, wow. I don't know how I feel about this. So, you know, there's only one of those people you would say was thin built. Charbel. I'm going with Charbel as as our as our last chance kitchen winner. And I think I think it'd be pretty formidable, man. You know what I mean? Like he was he was cooking well um, and clearly has, has not really stopped cooking well. So. 
Uh, I think he could be an interesting guy to add to this mix. There are, as always in Top Chef, there are weeks where someone gets eliminated and you're like, sounds about right. And there are weeks where someone gets eliminated and you're like, man, he just had a bad week. Um, And Charbel was definitely the bad week variety and he has not had any bad weeks so far in Last Chance Kitchen. Um, Yeah, I mean, they left us on a cliffhanger uh, and we'll see. But I... I'm prepared to defer to your sleuthing because I did not take it quite that seriously. I did notice the surprise, but like that could just be the the way people react when someone comes back in the game. So you never know. Yeah, but they knew, right? Tom even said, like, you guys are going to Last Chance Kitchen. You could be right back. Like, how surprised are you going to be if it's one of the ones that just left, right? No, I mean, that is a fair point. And yet, I could to- like they're on TV. Like I could totally see them just going, "Oh, no matter who walked through the door, right?" Yeah, yep, yeah. No, I, I mean, I guess that's true. Sometimes you do that for the camera. Look, I'm not saying it's lock solid, but I feel pretty good at the bell. That's gonna. That's 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 where I'm going. Well, like I said, I I'm prepared to defer to your, uh, you know, I I was gonna say amateur, but I feel like you're a practiced um, clips from next week detective at this point, so. Do you think that they are uh, going to – it's Paris, right? They're going to Paris for the final? Wee oui, wee. Oui. Is that this week? Or I think it is, yeah. Person first. No, I think they're. I think the five go to Paris and then they cut somebody after would be my guess. Yeah. I'm ready to see it. Me too. Yeah. Uh, all right, should we move on to uh, to the culture for this week? Yeah, let's culture it up. Where do you want to start? Um, let's start with Tupac. Okay, I watched uh, two of these. Me too. Um, I want to shout out to it's uh, Alan Hughes, right? The director. Correct. The, uh, because I thought the filmmaking here uh is really quite something, particularly given that this you're just working from a lot of interviews and and weird old file footage. Yes. But, it found some really great old file footage of Tupac on these like random talk shows uh, that I think really gives you a sense of like who this guy was. They talked about that smile, and I that's one yeah. thing that I've forgotten about. Like, yep, that guy has a really engaging smile, you know. Um, well, and I thought that scene where Alan Hughes puts himself in front of the camera because he's part of the story, and he talked about how. He was the, that shot in the Brenda's Got a Baby video where it's swimming over his features, and he was like, "Right here is where I suddenly realized this guy is a galactic superstar, basically." Mm. And I like, I, I felt it. You can see it. He's there's something about him. And beyond that, you know, I was young. Like I'm, I'm, I'm born in '81. Tupac was dead by the time I was, you know middle high school and all this stuff that's happening when he's 20 21 22 like i don't have the real memories and i wasn't old enough to understand how radical and revolutionary he was as a human being or how brilliant he was as a human being you know i knew he was a great rapper and and wildly talented but like I think, to your point, the filmmaking is spectacular. I this is one of the best things I've watched in a long time. I and, think, too. There's there's such a narrative about Tupac, like now where he's connected to other things in hip hop, right? Like obviously yeah. connected to Biggie. Yep. I think also sort of connected to some of the gangster rap stuff that was happening at the time. Right. When you th- so when you think of Tupac, yeah, I mean obviously you think of one of the greats, of course, but also th- all of these other things that he was kind of part of, and I think this doc is really spinning this whole new narrative that was so much about his history and what he was trying to bring to the work that he did. That didn't, you know, obviously other people that are part of this story. Do you hear from some of those people? But uh it's so much more centered on him 
yeah. and who he was and what he was trying to do. And uh, for me, it's been education. You know, Agreed. I so like I, I I'm enjoying um, you know what I've seen so far and appreciative. Like I said, because I think from a filmmaking perspective. It's done really well. This could be a lot worse. <laughs> oh yeah, and and I would add to I would add to that this. It is distinctly not set in any sort of um, narrative order from a timeline perspective. And instead, what it feels like to me, in a brilliant way, like from a filmmaking perspective, is the thought I, I was thinking about how to describe this, and the thought I had was essentially. Like, have you ever seen, I mean, Bob Ross is the easy analog, but have you ever seen the, like, um, halftime shows at NBA games where someone paints something, like, fast? No, you know, we don't, they don't really do that one here. I don't think well, I've seen that one. Okay, but, so, but, but like, the, think of Bob I, Ross, I, I, right? I think I've seen people paint stuff really fast before, though, so. Right. Like well, it's one of these things where, like, at the very beginning of the first episode, it's, like, just a bunch of seemingly kind of random bits and bobs from various points of Tupac and Afini Shakur's lives, right? Mm -hmm. But I think as we've gone over the course of two hours in these first two episodes, like, the bits and bobs all kind of fit together in a way where, okay, now I see this outline of, of how this story makes sense. And then, you know... Like with Bob Ross, it's like, well, he's just like doing weird dots, but like, oh, wait a second, there's a forest there. And oh, hold on a second. Now there's some happy trees. And wait a second. Now we've got this beautiful landscape. And that's, that's sort of what it feels like to me is like there's not an immediately apparent um, thread to what information you're getting at any given moment. It almost feels random it's certainly jumping around from a timeline perspective right. but it's illustrating this very thoughtful and complete portrait of a human story and i just i really am loving it i i i i had high hopes but it like i just don't know that i really could have hoped for what it is it's it's it really feels like both an incredibly important historical document and like a, a wonderful piece of art yeah um you know like i said it's it's it, it definitely exceeded my expectations part of me was like I, like this is a lot of parts you know what i mean for a guy who didn't live very long but now right. i'm i'm very interested to see where the story goes you know what i mean so yeah and i mean i had only i had only sort of learned some of the details of Afini's life in the last like year, I want to say. I don't remember why. I feel like there was an article about the Panther 21. So I know a little bit about that story, but it's remarkable. And the fact that her like cultural prominence was not more of a story in the mainstream during Tupac's life is kind of unbelievable to me. Like yeah. she is an important historical person. And I didn't know that until the last couple years. Yeah, well, I look. I think the um, it obviously the, speaks the story, to the story of the Panthers is not quite fully told yet, despite That's the right. fact there's been you know movies and things like that more recently. It really uh, speaks to the uh, the you know white erasure of history, and that that I mean that is one thing about this that like <laughs> yeah yeah <that's> likely <laughs> brace think... yourselves, white people, because this is yet another living document of how like brutalized of, of like what the, the general tenor of this country's white supremacy has done to us. If you live in Florida, watch this while you still can. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Because <laughs> it may be bad soon. Um, yeah. And it's I going to be a of... don't say Tupac bill pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's we're back to the toy department. Sorry. Um, my bad. My bad. <laughs> Um, I yeah, it's uh, it's definitely worth your time. Uh, yeah, I'll say that for sure. Yep, really great. Uh, I speaking of time, I kind of accidentally, I wasn't even really trying to. I watched all of Jury Duty. Yeah, man. I I so I only watched two of each thing this week because I was just I had a lot going on. I'm I'm currently sitting in a delightful little Airbnb room um, where I'm on a mini vacation with my wife. Um, and just like it's been a hectic week, 
So I didn't get to watch as much as I might have liked of Jury Duty, but I get it. I'm into it. It's it's clever. It's funny. And there's some really wonderful performances. Yeah. Um, there's a lot going on. I, I, I'll be curious. Like, I don't know. I think you, this is one. I, I'd like to hear what you think when you get to the end. Not so much okay. because crazy stuff that happens, but. The last episode is a lot kind of showing how they pulled it off, which I think sort of gives you a different sort of appreciation. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Um, totally. You know, and, and all the actors in, involved. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of stuff that happens. I think that they, I don't know if they lucked out because I don't really understand a ton about the casting process, but to sort of get the guy that they did as the sort of central figure. Uh, I think it was is a pleasant stroke that that makes a lot of this work. That said, I for me, like there's a lot of hype about this about this show, uh-huh. and I I did not find it. Well, I found it enjoyable. I watched it all. I did not find it to be like gut busting hilarious in the way that some people have. Like where, where people are like, this is the funniest thing I've seen all year. Huh. I'm not I'm not on that boat if that makes sense but I did I did find it enjoyable uh and I and I do think it's interesting how they pulled it off. Well, and it is really unique. You know, I I like like I said I haven't got to the end um and I wouldn't say through two episodes that I am like gut busting either, but it is very unique and it is funny. Like yeah. it's, it's it might not be the funniest thing I've seen all year, but it is funny. Right, exactly. I'm, yeah, and I'm not not trying to say like, ah, this sucked. I watched it all. It's funny. Right, but. and there's a weird heart to it because, as you say, the guy they found is like a pretty uniquely like thoughtful and interesting guy for for who he seems to be at first. Yeah, and they find a variety of ways to test that. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I do, you know, it's interesting. I, I feel like the thing I would actually like to know the most about how they pulled it off is how they found him. So I'm, I'm bummed that that's not part of the explanation. Uh, yeah, no, you don't, you're not really getting that. Um, but you do get a lot about what they did to them and, and where they found a lot of the other people on the show. Um, um other than James Marsden. Right. Well, I did recognize there's a couple people I know. I mean, Kirk Fox, who's hilarious, uh, is a, a significant character. Yeah, and we've seen uh, the as, nerdy kid. Yeah, on uh, on Sex Lives of College Girls. That's right, right. right. Um, but obviously, not very famous, and not not the sort of people who'd be recognized by a guy that's like, "Oh, Sonic." Yeah, I heard that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, yeah, that was uh, Jerry. Is a fun experience, and I do uh, just to shout out James Marsden. I always enjoy people playing like a dickhead version of themselves because to me, it like it's just like a level of of you know not taking yourself seriously that I appreciate in a significant Hollywood star. Yeah, and he's definitely doing the send up of the actor ego in a way that is, uh, you know. The kind of stuff it's kind of stuff that makes a lot of Barry go. I'll put it that way. You know. Uh huh. Yep. (laughs) So, um, uh, I I enjoyed that part of it quite a bit as well. Um, all right. So Bupkis was the other thing we watched this week, and I gotta say, uh, because the reviews of Bupkis have been terrible, I'm going the other way on this one. I I I think it's a little bit underrated. I, I I like. I think if you enjoy Pete Davidson. Um, you know, you will enjoy this. It's it's mining a lot of the familiar, you know, Pete Davidson territory, the story of his life and sort of the relationship with his family, and it is uh, at times quite filthy. How, how yeah. many? How many did you watch? I, th- I think I watched three of these. Maybe uh, four. I think I watched two, but maybe three. I, like, look, here's the thing, man. I I don't to to bring back a common theme of the toy department podcast i don't understand tv and film criticism at all because it it seems to be largely willfully ignorant of context and expectation and i don't understand the point of 
reviewing Bupkiss like you walked into a theater to see The Phantom Thread. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Why are we doing Why? Why even bother writing something about that? Because no idiot in the world, the dumbest person I know, would not see the still image of Bupkiss and imagine it to be anything other than exactly what it is, which is a pretty good version of what it is. Right? Yeah. Like, it, it is funny. It's disgusting. It's obsessed with weed and porn and it's pete davidson being pete davidson but like if you like that it's a perfectly good show and and to be like oh this is terrible because it's just pete davidson doing the funny stuff that pete davidson does is so goofy like what is the point right i think that's just sort of a a, you you don't like pete davidson so here's a chance to kind of let it rip on him i think i don't know yes i guess and i i mean i guess like if if I can see the point. I can see if someone is tired of Pete Davidson. Like, fair enough. But then that, to me, is like a culture piece about Pete Davidson being overexposed. It it essentially has nothing to do with the show. Yeah. And the other thing is there are a ton of incredibly talented people dropping in and yes. out of it. And well, it's just Joe Pesci and Edie Falco alone is enough to watch this show, right? Right. And they, when when the when there are these sort of darker or more dramatic moments or real emotionally grounded stuff, like they're there to carry that, and it, and it works great. And there's, you know, Bobby Cannavale pops in for uh, a, a turn in an episode, and Charlie Day uh, shows up, and like there's all these different every episode, ah, freaking Al Gore, <laughs> it's, right? It's, it's at one point, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, you get all of these sort of different things, and and. Um, I don't know. I it, it's it's a pretty decent time. I don't know how many people are watching this or talking about it. Um, but I I don't get the hate. That's all I'm saying. No, neither do I. And my suspicion is the hate comes exclusively from people who watched it knowing they wouldn't like it, and or people who didn't watch it at all. Because yeah. like, this is one of those things where like maybe sometimes you just need to let a show self-select its audience. And, like, I I have a really hard time imagining the person who saw a preview or a headline, you know, like a a banner of Bupkiss and was like, that looks good to me and didn't like it. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) <laughs> I think that's and and this is the time I feel like when shows are that's a, this is a show that's self-selecting its audience is what it's going to do. Right. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. And that <laughs> like, like if if that's, you know, unless for some reason Amazon or Peacock had had higher hopes for it than that, which and I guess I would tell them that was silly. Yeah, Peacock because um, they, you know, they need shows. Yeah. So, like, I think they're perfectly happy with the the audience that enjoys Pete Davidson, which seems to be reasonably substantial, enjoying a show made by and starring Pete Davidson. Like, I don't I don't know. I don't know. And 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 maybe there's nothing to be done about the state of criticism in that way. But I just don't I don't understand the point of criticism that tells you something you already know. Yeah. It's not going to be hacks, you know what I mean? Like, right. This is just... not The Wire. It's called <laughs> Bupkiss, and it's yeah. a Pete Davidson show. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, but it's I think as a Pete Davidson shows go, it's pretty good. Agreed. It's I, Frankly, like, if if this had aired on NBC instead of Peacock, I think it would have been way above my expectations, if that makes sense. So, oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, Although it never could, of course, air. On NBC because it's <laughs> they, like it begins with a, a young man jizzing on his mother. So uh, you know, yeah, you can you can you can very much tell that this was never made for NBC, <laughs> and you can imagine where it goes from there. He fixes the yeah, that. That might not even be the weirdest thing that happens. No, it's not at all. It's it's the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right, uh, we should uh, we should get to homework, I guess, right? do it um we've got we got a few things to watch uh this week i guess the playoffs are settling down in terms of the number of games so boy they might really settle down if uh some of these teams don't get their act together yeah i have a feeling this Lakers series is going to look like um uh the phoenix series a little bit and that i think the shift of locations may change the tenor of the uh series some you know what i mean well, it certainly won't hurt the Lakers, but uh, they do not match up well against the Nuggets. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, look, I think the Nuggets are the better team, and I picked the Nuggets for that reason. But I do think the Lakers figured a few things out. Um, and I am impressed with Darvin Ham's ability to seem to keep finding the right randos on that squad to contribute. Like a couple of different ones seem to show up every night. You know what I mean? Yep. And he's been sort of able to ride the hot hand at times. And like, you know, I mean, they they were in both of those games in Denver where Denver just doesn't really lose. So um, I certainly think they may have a little bit better luck at Staples. Um, Agreed. Agreed. I would not be surprised if it goes to 2-2, but I would be surprised if the Lakers find a way to win. Because I also think as the series goes on, you know, the wear and tear they have to put on LeBron and and Davis is not going to help them any either. Yeah, just like LeBron rolling his ankle the other night, and you're like, oh, this right, like, yep, <laughs> you know, like, they were one step wrong for either him or Davis. It's fully and, over, yeah. Right, like it, it, it could be trouble. So, uh, and then that other series, like, would you be shocked if it's two one Boston in four days? Not at all. Right, but so. I would say that, like, that was a pathetic outing in Game One. Sure was. I love, I love Jimmy being Jimmy, though. You yep. know what I mean. Yeah, he's he he really thinks he's the best player in the world when it when it gets down to nut crunch in time and it's hard to argue with him. Yeah, to say it, gets, it starts getting hard to say that he's wrong. Um, I mean, like even though I think we all believe he's wrong, it's it's a difficult argument. Yeah, yep. Um, you know, the number of like 35 point games he has in the playoffs, uh, and just the way he can- just he can just really take over a game like like not a lot of guys can. Yeah. All right. We have some hoops themed homework content uh, this week. <laughs> in, addition, in addition to the hoops, we have no uh, expectation that it will be as entertaining as the NBA playoffs. Unfortunately, uh, no, that's correct. We're we're gonna watch the remake of White Man Can't Jump on Hulu, starring Jack Harlow. For me, as a lover of the original, uh, this will mostly just be about answering the question of who is Jack Harlow. Um, um, I will say, like, have you are you uh, current with Dave? Uh, I'm not current with Dave. No, I'm, I'm, I'm catching up on Dave. Okay. I'm, well, I'm Jack Harlow shows up. <laughs> he, I, I'm going to say like, he's, he's got a, he, he has a, a reasonably tough hill to climb to match the impact of his performance in the latest episode of Dave. All right. Cause he has already been mentioned to Dave a couple of times this season, I think so. Well, for obvious reasons and his, uh, we talked about, you know, how, enjoyable it is to see james martin marsden play like a dickhead version of himself jack harlow uh has a spectacular turn in the met gala episode of dave excellent excellent i, I will look forward to that so maybe maybe you can pull this off but i just man you're really running uphill trying to trying to outdo woody and wesley you know what i mean i mean and this rosie is a Pro- yeah rosie man this is a classic classic example of the why couldn't we just like re-release the original because the, the you know because kids man kid, kids need their people they can relate to you know how it is i don't i don't think it's unrelatable that's my point like i, I think- understand they're not gonna watch wesley snipes and woody Harrelson. and they're gonna go look at look at the sneakers they're old man you know what i mean like that's just how kids are oh, god how we were when we were kids too you didn't want to watch your parents' movies, whether they were good or not. I don't know. I I watched some of them, but like a lot of them were black and white. Like that's not my fault. Like that's what I'm saying. But white men can't jump holds up. You know, there were a couple exceptions, like Animal House or whatever. You're like, yeah, okay. I'll yeah. Watch that. Why is yeah. white men can't jump not in that category? <laughs> well, well, I mean, I love it. It's not Animal House. Um, oh, I would argue it, it. It's it's every bit as good as Animal House. No right. shade to Animal House. These are two of the great comedies of our lifetime. All right. All right. That's some strong praise for White Man Can't Jump. It's um, a great movie. When's the last time you watched it? It is fairly recently. I it's have, great. I bought uh, LeBron's White Man Can't Jump themed sneakers a couple of years ago. That's how much I like White Man Can't Jump. All right. Okay. Um, well, we're on the same page. We'll see how it goes. All right. Uh, speaking of uh, basketball-related content that we expect to be good, we're also going to watch uh, Air this week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is now on Amazon Prime, so you can watch it home for free. Um, and I uh, heard nothing but great things. Excited to see it. Agreed. And uh, also, Primo, which I guess is sort of basketball related, and that it comes from the mind of Chase Serrano, noted NBA fan. 
Um, sure. Noted sure. Victor Wembenyama fan. Yeah. <laughs> Noted Victor. Yes. <laughs> now, now huge Victor Wembenyama. Yeah. Fan. Yeah. Um, Go Spurs. Mike Sure as well. Um, you know, they, those guys got together and put the show together. That is airing also on Freebie, which we figured out. You can just watch on Amazon Prime. So, yep. You just uh, have to deal with commercials. Oh, well. Yeah, they're not, not. Uh, not none commercials. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair amount. Um, but whatever, it's free, so it's watch free. it. Yep. And uh, uh, we're running out of meeting time, so <laughs> let's wrap it up. All right. Yeah. Good job. I I think we're all set. Bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The lights out. Butter's getting hard, the eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor, have yourself a tremendous evening.